Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Self-Care Keto Podcast. I am your self-care keto coach, Jess, bringing you a magical experience to release the weight from your body and your soul. Today is a very special day for me because this is episode 100 of this podcast, and I am so excited to bring you this episode and celebrating so hard because that's no small potatoes to put out 100 episodes of a podcast, and I will get back to that in a second, but first, a little bit of a life update. So it is the third week of school, and I am so in love with my daughter's new school. It's funny because we have her in public school this year after being in private school for kindergarten. The little daycare that she's been at ever since she was a baby, they offered kindergarten, and so we kept her there for continuity's sake. And also because my daughter's birthday is October 20th. And so the cutoff for public school to start kindergarten, I guess, is September 5th. But we just knew she was so ready for kindergarten and didn't want to have her wait another year. So we were able to work together with the the private school where she went and they let her start kindergarten early. So no regrets, but we had planned after that to get her into public school. And honestly, I'm loving the public school so much more than even the private school that we had her in. And I'm so impressed with how uh, much they're teaching emotional intelligence. I'm like so excited about that because basically learning this stuff, you know, not until I was in my late 20s, like about how to actually feel your feelings and process through your feelings and, you know, not repress them down and have it come out in (laughs) maladaptive ways later on. And so I've been working with my daughter on all of those things, but I'm so pleased to see the school counselors in there using the movie Inside Out to teach the kids about emotions. And it's just so great. I am so grateful. And I think that we are hopefully really evolving as uh, people, as the generations go by. No shade to past generations. We didn't know what we didn't know. But man, I just look back and I think, man, if I had had this stuff when I was a kid, how much pain I could have been spared. But I'm grateful for all of it because I'm grateful that we can transform our pain into purpose. Um, This podcast and what I do as a weight loss coach is a big part of that in my life. And honestly, it's brought healing to me to be a channel of healing for other people. So I'm so grateful um, for this podcast. I started it two and a half years ago in March of 2020. I know a lot of of people probably started um, a podcast during the pandemic, Um, but most podcasts never that get started, I think only like, ooh, 10% of them, I'm going to say, get past eight episodes. It's pretty crazy. And so I'm so grateful. I, I listened back to episode one and two and I was like, oh, like I, I'm really, really proud of myself for, for starting it, honestly, um, because I shared in episode one about what a perfectionist I tend to be. And it was really hard for me to put something out and just do it, right? And to trust that I would get better over time. And I find that that's such a big issue even for weight loss, right? Because we are such perfectionists and we've been so conditioned with this perfectionist mentality. Like even if you're not a perfectionist in every area of your life, like perfectionism is so seeped into diet culture and dieting in general. And to believe that you won't see any results unless you are perfect, the all or nothing mentality is probably the biggest mindset obstacle that I have to work on with every single one of my clients. So not just the perfectionist overall clients as part of your personality, but literally everybody. And so it's so good to just start and improve over time. 
iterate over time. Like every successful entrepreneur knows this, like get version one out, like beta test it, like see how people are responding to it and like notice the flaws in it and then optimize it over time, right? That is like such the key to success and we just get in our own way so much. Um, But I was listening back to those early episodes and I remember my first five episodes I literally typed out like every single word that I was going to say. And like, I can tell, I don't know if other people can tell, but I can tell that I was reading it and trying to sound so natural (laughs) with the way that I was reading um, everything that I had typed out. Um, And that was just some of my perfectionism. And then after like the first five episodes, oh my gosh, I think my daughter's school had closed um, in July of 2020 because of the pandemic in June of 2020, I think. And so I was like, oh, perfect reason to, you know, take a break from the podcast or, or what have you. So I, I did start it back up later and you can listen to some of the audio quality. It was just so terrible because the only way that I could really get myself to do it was to go live on Instagram. And then I would just pull the audio from that and repurpose it for the podcast. But the reason why I had to just make myself go live is because I would start to record an episode and then I would be like, oh, no, no, that's not good. And then I would stop and start over and stop and start over and stop and start over. And I was never getting anything done. And I knew that if I just went live on Instagram, it would force me to get over the little slip up that I made or whatever. And I would find my way back. I've always um, been accustomed to public speaking in the past. My husband and I used to be very involved in churches and we were youth pastors and I had given lessons and things like that. So I trusted more that if I could just go live, I would figure it out. And sure enough, that's what worked for me. But God bless the the audio quality back then because I was also trying to get good lighting because I didn't have a light ring yet. (laughs) And so I was sitting outside and you can hear like all the cicadas and the lighting was great, but the audio was terrible. (laughs) But we move on. We get better and better over time. So I don't know if any of you have listened to any of those old episodes or if you've been with me all that time, but I'm so grateful for every single one of you that you are listening to this podcast. And, you know, honestly, anybody could probably put out a hundred episodes that are like, what, five minutes long and just shooting the shit or whatever it is that you want to get on and talk about. But what has meant so much to me about this being episode 100 is not just the longevity of it and my own consistency and commitment. I am proud of those things. But what I'm more proud of is how many of you actually reach out to me and message me that you are binging the podcast. You're like, I love the podcast. I've, I've, I've listened to almost every episode. I started at the beginning and I'm almost all cut up. Like when somebody takes the time to say that to me, I'm always like blown away. I'm like, holy crap. Somebody else is out there binging what I have to say, like can't get enough of what I have to say. And that just touches my heart so much, especially I'm like a words of affirmation, love language person. But just to know even that I've helped one person, of course, makes it so worth it. But that's the whole reason that I started this podcast. I had already been a weight loss coach for two years um, as my side hustle. And you know, I started this podcast when I quit my nine to five um, in February of 2020. It's when I left my nine to five to do Uh, coaching full-time. And it's been so wonderful, but starting the podcast was something that I wanted to do to just really scale and reach as many people as possible and offer free content because I knew I had so much in my head to offer with so many more people than just the people who would sign up with me as one-on-one clients or group clients or, or really get into any paid offer with me. So thank you so, so much for listening. I'm so glad that you're a part of my world. I'm so glad if this is helping you. And would you celebrate episode 100 with me by leaving a review of the podcast? That would mean 
so much to me because that's how we help the podcast to grow and reach even more people. And as a thank you for you leaving me a review, especially on iTunes, but any platform is fine. Um, if you send me a screenshot of your review and you can email that to me at theketofit at gmail.com or on any social media platform that I'm on, send me an instant, uh, an instant message, a direct message, um, back to the AOL days of instant messaging. Um, and send me a, a screenshot of your review and then let me know whether you would like to get a free copy of my self-care keto holiday guide, which I can't believe the holidays are literally right around the corner, or a free copy of my self-care keto restaurant guide, which tells you exactly what to order at over 41 different types of restaurants to eat keto. And it helps you also to um, not eat keto when you're at a restaurant and still succeed and have no drama about it whatsoever. So definitely leave me a review, send me a screenshot, let me know which one of those things that you would like. And I would love to get that in your hands as a thank you for helping me to grow the podcast. All right. So this episode I'm calling succeed without keto, which I find to be really funny to be (laughs) on episode 100 of a podcast called self-care keto, because you guys know that I love keto, but I'm not actually trying to convince anybody here to eat keto as much as I am trying to convince you to treat food and nutrition as a form of self-care. And for me, that looks like eating keto, but I don't believe that it needs to be that way for every single person. Honestly, there are a lot of people who eat keto and they don't approach it as a form of self-care. They approach it the same way that they've approached maybe every other diet or weight loss plan that they've tried. And for them, it feels like restriction. For them, it feels like punishment. For them, it feels like failure after failure after failure, starting and stopping on and off and all of those things. So treating food and nutrition as a form of self-care is actually the opposite of that. It's looking at food not just as, will this food make me gain weight or will this food make me lose weight, but how does this food make me feel? And when I eat foods, when I focus on foods that actually make me feel good physically, not just in the moment feel good, right? Not, not feel good for five minutes and feel like shit for 24 hours after you know the, the first 20 minutes of eating, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about foods that truly make you feel good, not just familiar, not just temporary pleasure, but truly feel good from a physical standpoint. Your stomach feels great after you eat it. You know, from a mental health standpoint, I feel mentally well. My mood is great after I eat these foods. If we just focused on that, oh my gosh, the weight loss is just a natural side effect of that. Like I'm so convinced of that. And so here I am on this mission to help you treat food as a form of self-care. What is self-care? Self-care is not a temporary respite from a life that you hate, right? And a lot of us treat food as that, right? It's a temporary respite from a life that we actually feel the need to numb out from constantly. True self-care is designing a life that you don't feel the need to numb out from. And so, man, food food does not have to play that role, that coping mechanism role anymore if we get to the root of the issue and practice the proactive self-care of truly meeting our own needs so that food is not just playing oh man, what a heavy burden for food to play at this role of the, the, the substitute for the real unmet needs in our lives. But so many of us are living our lives that way. And really I'm on a mission to, to help women change that. I've seen it happen in my own life. I've seen it happen in countless other women's lives and I really believe in it. And so that's what I'm doing here. That's what I'm doing with this podcast. That's what I'm doing with my one-on-one coaching. And so in that spirit, 
I do want to talk about ways to succeed without keto because you can totally succeed without keto. You can treat food like self-care without actually eating keto. You can lose weight without actually eating keto. And those, those things are not mutually exclusive. Like I think sometimes we feel like, well, I could either lose weight or I could have a healthy relationship with food, right? And it's so sad that I think even um, that's becoming dichotomized and, um, you know, this, this binary thinking of like, you could have this or you could have that, but you can't have both. And I really think that that's not true, but you see it now. It's like either diet culture or like F diet culture. (laughs) It's like, and that's the whole like intuitive eating movement and everything. And like, I love the concept of intuitive eating, but I know that my body, what I couldn't trust the signals that my body was giving me when it's completely hijacked, like literally hijacked by all these chemicals and, um, you know, addiction. My, my body and brain were hijacked by addiction because of the kind of foods that I was eating. And so can you trust what your brain is telling you when it's addicted and hijacked? No, I don't, I don't think you can. Um, but when you've taken the time to heal that, I really do. Of course, the goal is to trust yourself and to trust your own intuition. I'm so passionate about that. So I used to be super dogmatic about eating keto. And when I say eating keto, I mean like the traditional um, classic understanding of eating keto, like this whole idea of keeping your carbs very low, at least, you know, under 50 total carbs per day or 20 net carbs per day is basically what I did from the time that I started eating keto, which was Atkins for me back in November of 2013, probably up until two years ago. I I pretty much ate that way the whole time. And I wasn't feeling sad about it. I wasn't feeling restricted about it or anything like that. It's just that I stuck so closely to it because it was keeping me feeling safe, right? And so, and that's fine. I, I have so much compassion for that, but that's what I needed. I have no judgment about that. And I'm really glad that I started to venture out a little bit and to realize, you know, it's not the food that was keeping me safe. It's me that's keeping me safe. Like I actually had self-trust at that point. And so sometimes when you don't have self-trust, you do feel like it's your boundaries that are keeping you safe, not you keeping you safe. But it's so funny because you're the one that set up the boundaries. <laughs> right? So I used to be very dogmatic about keto. And that's how I helped all of my clients when I first started out was like, okay, you know, I am not um, apologetic about the fact that I use a keto approach when helping my clients to lose weight because I strongly believe in it. And I think it's great for everybody to experience it at least once in their lives because we are designed to function in a ketogenic state, like to be using fat as our primary fuel source at different seasons and time periods in our lives. And throughout the course of human history, um, that's what most humans have done, right? Um, But I also think that it's completely normal and natural to not be in a state of ketosis constantly either. I think that we went back and forth. Uh, Our ancestors in human history probably went through periods of being in ketosis and periods of not being in ketosis. And it probably very much depended upon food availability, um, seasonality of things like fruit and honey and things like that. And so I think our bodies are designed to function optimally in both states, but there's no freaking way that our bodies are designed (laughs) to function optimally under the eating conditions that we have nowadays on the standard American diet all of um, things, basically frankenfoods, not real food. And also eating constantly throughout the day is not at all normal either. So again, I used to be very dogmatic about the keto approach. And probably about two years ago, 
I actually started running some self-experiments after watching my friend Evie, who uh, is a keto coach as well. She lives in Belgium. And um, she was on Instagram. And if you want to go follow her, she's at the.healthy.parent. And yeah, about two years ago, I started seeing her um, run some experiments with using a continuous glucose monitor. So that's this little device that you can plug into your arm and it tests your blood sugar uh, pretty much constantly. And so she started experimenting with different foods and seeing how it was impacting her blood sugar. And I found this to be really fascinating because of course, by that time, I understood the link between um, keto being effective because it keeps your blood sugar stable, which keeps your insulin stable. We'll talk about that. Um, but I was shocked at the foods that she was able to eat and still be measuring ketones in her blood. And so she was somebody similar to me who had already been eating keto for quite a long time. And you know she was keto adapted, as we say. And then she started introducing small amounts of different things like fresh squeezed orange juice, honey, um, a large amount of fruit. Um, like a large amount of um, cantaloupe or something like that, that typically I would have stayed away from any fruit except berries by eating, by quote unquote, eating keto, right? And so not that I thought that it was wrong or unhealthy or anything like that, but for me, I thought, no, that won't work for me. The only thing that works for me is eating keto and I'm not really not interested in trying anything else. So I'm so grateful that I was able to watch her run these experiments. Um, Another thing she tested was um, red lentil pasta, And that's another thing that I'm super grateful for because we enjoy that probably now at least twice a month as a family. And I love all of the, you know, keto pasta substitutes like zucchini noodles or actually palmini noodles is my favorite. You got to try that. Um, Or shirataki noodles, whatever. This is like actual real pasta that you buy in the pasta aisle made by Berea or Barilla, however you would pronounce it, but it is 100% red lentil flour. And she tested it with her blood sugar monitor and it kept her in a good blood sugar range and it did not knock her out of ketosis. And I was like, holy crap, I'm going to go try that. And my family loves it. And as long as I eat like three quarter cup to maybe one cup of it, I am good to go. No cravings. Doesn't make me gain weight. Doesn't knock me out of ketosis. And I found that to be shocking, like so shocking, but also exciting. And it just kind of opened up this whole new world for me. And now I eat fruit every day. Um, and you know, sometimes I'll have like a real scoop of ice cream on vacation after, <laughs> after having a good high protein meal. And I found that to be incredible that I could actually do that because back in the day I would have eaten, you know, like a keto substitute ice cream. And because you want something sweet, you want something enjoyable from time to time, but man, my stomach hated me for that. Like I did not do well with sugar alcohols. And so I've always, all of these new things that I've been experimenting with, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Um, Another thing that really kind of changed my approach to being dogmatic about keto and made me more curious about, well, how can people be successful in other ways or be healthy in other ways is thinking about how I would raise my daughter. So my daughter's five now, and I I totally believe what a healing approach it is um, to heal your body's insulin resistance, um, which is a common you know side effect of being overweight and eating sugar constantly and elevating your blood sugar constantly. Insulin resistance happens, and that makes people very resistant to weight loss unless you heal the insulin resistance by restricting carbohydrates, right? And so when I'm like, well, my daughter here, she has this this like 
um, untouched, you know, perfect, like human specimen. Like, how am I going to raise her? What types of foods am I going to help her focus on? And what types of foods am I going to moderate, you know, to, to keep her health optimal, but also let her enjoy her life. So she doesn't have to eat keto. I didn't, I didn't want her to eat keto. And I was more focused on just raising her off of eating real foods, getting enough protein and, you know, finding a way to incorporate sugar in ways that she could actually enjoy it, but learn how it makes her feel and moderate it, right? And so I started following other types of accounts on Instagram. Man, I'm so grateful for Instagram, right? Um, I started following other different types of accounts of people who were conscious about blood sugar, but not necessarily eating keto. And I learned so much along the way, and I'm so glad that I did because now I love to be able to offer people things, ways that they can succeed without doing keto. And why would you want to succeed without doing keto, right? Like, uh, sure, there's a lot of different reasons. And um, this conversation was really inspired by my DMs on Instagram because I've been talking lately, keep her anonymous, but another keto coach. And she and I connected and actually she's feeling drawn to stop eating keto, right? And like, that's a huge deal, right? (laughs) When you're a keto coach, you know, making your livelihood off of um, off of this and helping other people with it. Um, not that, not that she needs to keep eating keto to be able to help other people eat keto, but it's a huge deal, right? It feels really scary and crazy. And so she's, she's really feeling drawn to it out of self-care though. And I think it's so great for her because, um, you know, she's kind of been reading about intuitive eating and realizing, oh my gosh, I think I've been approaching keto the same way as a diet mentality, which a lot of people struggle with. A lot of people do, um, And so I think that that's fantastic for her. And so we've been talking about it and, um, I was inspired. I'm like, okay, I definitely need to do this episode now because I've had this on the back burner, but I love when I have a conversation in my DMS and that's just kind of like God's little way of pinging me like, okay, do it now, like get it out now because there are people that need to hear this. And so maybe you are sick of doing keto, or maybe you're curious if you could succeed trying something new. Maybe keto does feel like a diet for you. Maybe it feels too restrictive or you find yourself treating it just like every other diet with that same all or nothing mentality. Maybe you just want to take a break or need to take a break or you're taking a special trip coming up where you're going to be seeing family or friends or you're taking a vacation or you're going somewhere where you don't know what the food situation is going to be like and you're like, well, how can I um, you know, still put in some effort and still have some level of success without just looking at it like all or nothing and might as well just go off the rails and nothing even matters. Um, Or maybe you just want to listen to this episode because it's not you, but maybe you have a loved one who isn't willing or able to do keto, but maybe they'd be open to something else. That is another reason why I started learning all this stuff because my husband is, you know, a total rebel and he's just like, no, no to keto. (laughs) But he's open to when I, um, slide him another strategy that he could potentially try that doesn't feel as restrictive for him. So, um, or maybe you actually just want to keep eating keto, but you'd also like to add some other strategies, like layer some other strategies on top of that to actually amplify your keto journey and your weight loss journey. So this episode is going to help you for any of those things. So before we get into what some of those other strategies are, ways to actually succeed without keto, Um, I first want to just explain like a really quick little primer about why keto works. And keto works because um, weight loss is about both being in an energy deficit or a calorie deficit 
and because of your hormones. So weight loss is both. We've seen people lose weight without paying any attention to their hormones and simply counting calories. So I'm not going to sit here and say that that doesn't work because people do it all the time, right? Um, But there are a lot of people who that does not work for, just counting calories, usually because um, you're just so hangry, right? You're so hungry because um, the, the types of foods that you're eating, you know, 200 calories of chicken breast is not the same as 200 calories of a Snickers bar, right? It, it's a completely different hormonal cascade in your body. And chicken breast would make you feel full and Snickers would taste really, really good. And then, you know, an hour later, you're still super hungry and you want something else, right? And so it does matter both the hormones and the calories. And I've been talking a little bit earlier in the episode about insulin and insulin resistance. And insulin is one of our master hormones. This is our fat storage hormone. It's not a bad hormone. It's a great hormone. And so it's very adaptive and it helps us to survive. Our bodies are never fighting us. They are always trying to help us. They're serving us. They're functioning in an adaptive way. And so when we are consuming more energy than what our body actually needs, more calories than what our body actually needs, more glucose, that's an energy fuel source than what your body actually needs needs, the glucose goes into your bloodstream to make ready for energy for your cells. And it's an overabundance of energy, which can be dangerous if that just sits around floating in your bloodstream. And so insulin is the hormone that comes in and ushers that glucose out and into your fat cells for storage, right? And so insulin does raise every time that we eat to an extent, no matter what what you're eating. And so insulin can stay low and stable when you eat foods that are not high in glucose. In other words, high in carbohydrates. So you're focusing on protein, you're focusing on low carbohydrate fruits and vegetables, and that keeps your insulin not, you know, completely null, right? That's that's not even possible unless you are just fasting 24/7. But it's keeping it very low and very stable. And when your insulin is used to being very, very high, your body becomes insulin resistant. And so that's basically the accumulation of years of eating a standard American diet where we're eating every two hours and we're eating like all of the breads and rice and pastas and tortilla chips and pretzels and ice cream and all of the things, right? Basically what most of us have been brought up to do and eat. So there's a good chance, like honestly, like at least two thirds of people are insulin resistant, um, or pre-diabetic even, you know, if not diabetic. And a great way to actually heal your body from that issue, from that hormonal issue, is to practice, you know, what doctors would call therapeutic carbohydrate restriction or eating in a low-carb way. If not um, keto, definitely eating low-carb. And that's a way to actually help yourself if you're the type of person that is like, okay, I'm eating 1,200 calories a day and I'm not losing weight. Like, it's not just about calories. It's about the hormones as well. But the flip side is that calories do matter. And so a lot of people start eating keto and they see an initial success because of healing their hormones and releasing a lot of water weight. But then if you're so used to being a volume eater, and which a lot of us are, and we're eating such high volumes of very calorically dense foods like nuts, nut butters, cheeses, all of these things, um, just because they're low in carbs does not mean that they're just freebies and you can eat as much as you want of them. And so a lot of people are eating an overabundance of energy. Fat is is the other energy source. So carbs are one energy source. Fat is the other energy source. And then if you're eating an overabundance of of fat and calories, you're not going to lose weight, even though you could be in ketosis, 
So people are testing their urine or their blood or their breath, and they're like, I don't get it. I'm in ketosis. I'm not losing weight. Well, that's because you're consuming too many calories. So just that little bit of a reminder that keto works because of hormones, yes, but also because of calories. And a lot of people lose weight like a champ with not worrying about anything except counting their carbs. And these people maybe are not the type of people that are um, struggling with being a volume eater and they're eating, eating an overabundance of calories because they just find keto to be so satiating. That was me in the beginning um, of eating Atkins. All I did was um, count my carbs. And at the time, I'm really grateful because Atkins was like, eat as much protein as you want to. So I'm convinced that that was a huge help to me. But for the first time ever in my life, like honestly, 20, 15 years of my life, I was able to eat dinner and feel full, not actually feel like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm itching for something an hour later. I want something sweet, then something salty, something sweet, then something salty. I truly felt full and I felt peace and calm and freedom in my freedom in my thoughts, like not thinking about food. And I just naturally did not eat as much. I didn't know how many calories I was eating because I was so refreshed that I didn't have to count calories anymore. All I had to do was worry about um, how many carbs I was eating. And to me, that was like so refreshing and it worked. It really worked. I lost 40 pounds that way through just that. Um, Now the last, you know, 10 pounds, I actually had to look at calories, right? And so for different people, that happens at different points along the way. And it does have to do with, you know, are you eating an over volume of food, either because you're just used to being a volume eater, because you're emotionally eating keto foods. I definitely have done that in my life as well. So going back to what we were saying earlier, if you feel for some reason, like you can't do keto right now, or you just don't want to do keto right now, or you want to keep doing keto, but you want to amplify it, try some of these strategies can really help. Okay. So the first thing that I want to mention is low carb, right? And so a low carb diet is honestly defined as anywhere under 130 carbs per day. And keto typically is starting people at around 50 total carbs per day. But one thing that I will always get on a soapbox about is that keto is not a yes or no foods list. It is a metabolic state. And every person is bio-individual. And some people, like I remember when Kim Kardashian did keto and she was like, yeah, I eat about 100 carbs per day and I'm in ketosis. And I was like, oh my God, she's so lucky. (laughs) Because at the time I hadn't even tried to eat a hundred carbs per day. But at the time I was like, well, I need to eat under 50 and that just won't work for me and blah, blah, blah. Um, But honestly, some people could totally eat a hundred carbs per day and be in a state of ketosis. But even if they're not in, in an actual state of ketosis, that's still fantastic to be eating a low carb diet. And so a lot of people are like, oh, keto just feels like too intense for me. So, okay, don't do keto. Try low carb. And maybe you'll end up titrating down um, if you really, really like it. Or maybe some days you'll be eating low carb, but some days you'll be eating keto. <gasps> Shocker. We don't have to do the same exact thing every day to find success. And we get in this all or nothing mentality, right? Of like, oh my God, I just, um, I, I just blew it. I went over my 50 carbs per day. So that means I might as well eat 400 carbs today. Like how crazy, it doesn't make any freaking sense, right? That's the all or nothing mentality. So remember that it's still a great day if you have a low carb day, even if it wasn't a keto day. And also remember, you might not even have quote unquote knocked yourself out of ketosis. And a lot of people get so obsessed with that. They're like, if I'm I'm not in ketosis, I can't lose weight. 
girl, that is not true. People lose weight all the time without being in ketosis. So even if you do knock yourself out of ketosis, meaning you've consumed more carbs and your body has switched back over to burning primarily sugar first, that's what your body is designed to do. Your body is like, oh, here's a bunch of glucose. First order of priority, burn the glucose. Second order of priority, burn fat. That's just the way everybody's body is set up. And so it's totally fine to go in and out of ketosis. And honestly, your body is probably going in and out of ketosis anyway at different meals and different parts of the day. And then even some people who are not eating a keto diet at all, and maybe they're just eating low carb, they're going to dip into a state of ketosis overnight while they're sleeping and they would never have even known it. So we make such a big deal about kicking yourself out of ketosis and acting like this is the end of the world and nothing matters now that I'm not in ketosis. I just want to shake people by the shoulders and be like, that does not matter. That does not matter. The whole point of ketosis is not that it's magically making you lose weight just to be in ketosis. The point of ketosis, the magic of it is that it's giving you satiety, which makes it easier for you to eat less and to be in a calorie deficit without hunger. And that is the magical thing that leads to weight loss. It's the eating fewer calories while keeping your hormones stable, right? It's not that ketosis is just this magical thing that instantly makes you lose weight. It's not. I've, I've been in ketosis and I've lost weight. I've been in ketosis while maintaining my weight. And I've been in ketosis while gaining weight. And a lot of people have, and they don't get it. And then they come to me and they're like, what's going on? Right? So another thing kind of under this whole idea of low carb, I'd also like to say you could do any kind of keto that you want to do, right? Find your own thing that works for you. It does not have to be, oh, I eat, I eat keto. Um, but sometimes I cheat by eating such and such. Just treat it like keto plus potatoes, right? Keto plus sugar in my morning coffee. (laughs) My aunt does that and I find it so funny. You know, like my aunt is just like, that's her non-negotiable. She's like real sugar in my morning coffee. Four packets of it too, you know, like, (laughs) and I'm like, Dear God, are somebody going to sit here and argue with her and be like, well, you might as well not do anything if you're not willing to give up those four sugar packets in the morning? No, but that's so crazy because that's what we do to ourselves. We're like, well, you're never going to see any results unless you're absolutely perfect. And that means you have to give up this thing that is like the one thing that you really don't want to give up. And so you're just like, well, I, I won't do it at all then. Dear God, please just eat keto plus whatever food is your deal breaker and don't feel like a failure because of it. I, I worked with a client <laughs> years ago who she actually just needed half a can of regular Pepsi every day. Like she was like, just one of those baby cans. Like, is that okay if I just do that? I'm like, yes. She was like, literally like on our curiosity call, she was like, well, cause I always ask, do you have any fears or hesitations or concerns about starting to work together? And she's like, yeah, I just don't know. Like, is this going to be a deal breaker? Because I, I just really feel like I, I just can't. I can't live without that. And it doesn't even have to be the whole can. It could just be half a can. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, let's still do it, right? So silly. And she lost weight like a champ. And she always kept that one regular can, right? Of course, we did try. She's like, I've tried diet. I've tried everything. I just need a little bit of regular soda every day. I've had other clients where they have regular deviation days, right? And you can plan that in. So keto plus a deviation day once a week. And that's just what you want to do. Or even a two deviation meals. Like 
I wouldn't call these cheat days. I wouldn't call these cheat meals because that implies that you're doing something wrong or devious or whatever. I'd like to use the word deviation, planned deviation. It's just very neutral. You're just deviating from your regularly scheduled programming. And honestly, you're kind of planning it in. It's just part of what you do, right? So I eat keto, but on Friday nights, we have uh, pizza as a family. And I eat two slices of regular pizza with my protein and my salad. And that's that. So whatever it is, just do what works for you. Don't let the idea hold you back that you have to be perfect to see results. You don't. And please don't let any keto police judge you or anybody else, right? The the goal is that you are the expert on your life. So here are some other things that you can do. And these go along the lines of helping to not spike your blood sugar so high, which helps to keep your insulin stable. And this is kind of the hormonal aspect of weight loss. So yes, of course, eating low carb or even eating keto. And when I say that, I mean eating so low carb that it actually switches you into a state of ketosis, meaning you're primarily burning fat for fuel instead of primarily burning carbs for fuel, which is a different level of carbohydrates for every person. And you will figure out what works for you. But even if you're not doing that, or if you're eating low carb or you're doing keto plus whatever food works for you, or you're having regular deviation days on the days or at any time, when you, are, when you know you're going to be consuming carbohydrates, there are some strategies that you can follow that will buffer the blood sugar response and therefore buffer the insulin response and therefore help you to find more success than if you were to just, you know, not pay attention to these things, okay? So the first thing is to pair protein with carbs, always. No naked carbs is kind of the saying, right? And so if you are committed to always pairing protein with sugar, then you will see so much less of a blood sugar response. I learned this and I love the infographs that um, I think her name is Jessie and Notchby, and I know I'm going to be pronouncing that wrong, but she's this beautiful French girl and she's at Glucose Goddess on Instagram. So go follow her. And she has a great book about this as well, but she shares these really cool infographs all the time. Beautiful French woman, of course, from time to time, she's going to eat a croissant, right? I probably butchered the perfect way to say that. But she'll show like, okay, this is what it looks like to um, have protein and then have this croissant or to just eat the croissant by itself, right? Fascinating. The blood sugar response is so blunted when you pair it with protein, right? And so here she is. She's not advocating low carb or keto or anything like that. She's just saying, hey, did you know that glucose is really important for weight loss? Like, and so (laughs) I love it, right? And so another thing that I learned from her is consuming apple cider vinegar or lemon juice before eating your carbs. And that buffers the blood sugar response. That's fascinating as well. And so just to, and you can drizzle some apple cider vinegar on some vegetables or a start a side salad to start with before you have whatever carbs you're going to eat. Um, or you can just pour a little bit of apple cider vinegar into some water and just do it like a shot. It doesn't have to be a certain number of minutes before consuming the carbohydrates, just as long as that's the first thing that goes into your gut or lemon juice. It's amazing. I don't know. I, I haven't, uh, I, I know I could pull up all the science and share that with you guys, but I won't get into all of that. But let me just suffice to say, it absolutely works. And that's totally a strategy that you could do. And it's painless, right? Um, another thing that she says is to eat your food in the right order. So, In other words, always eat your carbs last. So she actually recommends eating your vegetables first, 
then your protein, then your carbs. Um, Personally, I don't really see any difference between eating protein first, protein, then vegetables, then carbs. But the, the point is always eat the carbs last, the last food on your plate. And it completely alters. And she does these little infographs again, like eat the rice first, then the vegetables, then the protein and shows the blood sugar response versus eat the vegetables, then the protein, then the rice. And the blood sugar response is completely just such a massive difference. Um, another thing that I learned from her is to take a walk after your meals. And this is like such a European practice. Um, and it's just kind of what people have always done. Cause you're like, how is it that all these French people, you know, are just so thin all the time and they're eating like, you know, the chocolate croissants and the pastries and, you know, yada, yada. <laughs> and how are they so healthy? Well, you know, European people, um, have much different lifestyles than we do. They walk a lot more than we do. And they take a um, walk after dinner. It's just kind of the natural custom. So even a 10-minute walk after each meal really reduces the blood sugar immediately. Like you're using so many of your major, major muscle groups, your legs and your back to take a walk. And so one of my favorite breakfasts is to have a just literally so much non-fat cottage cheese. I love it. Probably I'll, I will eat like 16 ounces of non-fat cottage cheese. And a half of a cantaloupe, and then I'll just take a walk afterwards. And so I'm having my protein with fruit, always pairing, no naked carbs, and then taking a walk afterwards. And my blood sugar is completely fine, doesn't knock me out of ketosis. And my God, years ago, I would never have been able to imagine eating a half a cantaloupe and being in ketosis. But you'd be amazed at what what is actually possible for you. So even if you think that you're not eating keto, when you're going to start reintroducing some of these new foods, you're like, I don't even really care if I'm in ketosis anymore, but sure, I'll, I'll try these things. You know, I'll, I'll eat my protein first. Like, no big deal. What's the big deal? I just eat, I'm going to have protein and fruit. I'll just eat the protein first instead of the fruit first. And sure, I'll take a walk afterwards. Like, gosh, those small little things make such a big difference. And I've taught my husband these things. Um, and he <laughs> still eats carbs, right? But he's totally willing to eat his protein first. He's like, are you serious? That's all I have to do is eat my protein first. And he, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And so he does it, right? And I do this with my daughter too. So she can have, you know, a little, um, you know, treat on the weekend. Like if she wants, if we're going to go out for ice cream or something, but you have to eat your protein first, right? Um, usually she uh, doesn't really have a lot of, we don't eat a lot of carbs. Like as a family, like I, I'm not typically making, um, rice or potato. Sometimes I'll make a potato for my husband, but I'm always surprised. My daughter doesn't even want rice. She doesn't like it. She doesn't like potatoes. Um, so I'm like, okay, cool. She loves fruit. And so, but I always put some fruit on her plate um, or some carrots or something like that. And I'll say, just make sure you eat your protein first. And she knows how to eat her food in the right order. And she knows what foods are protein and what foods don't have protein. And she's five. And so this is totally something that you can teach your kids to do as well. And then they'll have it ingrained in their heads and be so much more successful throughout the course of their lives without having any food drama. It's just simple little things like, oh, did you know that it's healthier to eat your protein first? Cool. Okay. So another strategy that you can do, whether you're eating low carb or not, again, you can layer these things together. But even if you just do one of them, you're going to find so much more success than doing nothing. And that is intermittent fasting. Okay. So intermittent fasting is another, another word for time-restricted eating. So it's this concept that you are not just eating constantly um, and from the time you wake up until the time you go to bed, but you are shortening your eating window. So most people, honestly, they will be eating up until the time they go to bed. And then as soon as they wake up, they'll start eating again. And so that's only like an eight hour fast each night. 
we do so much better to at least have 12 hours a day of no eating. And preferably, if you can time your eating window when the sun is up, right? And that you would not be eating when the sun is down. Biologically, that's called, you know, circadian rhythm eating or circadian rhythm intermittent fasting is another word for it. That is the most optimal way to function, right? Because again, think about it throughout the course of human history. That's how we have lived. Nobody's eating a big meal after sunset. It's usually during the day when there was light so that you could see what you're doing and see what you're preparing and things like that. And then you're sleeping at night. So if you can shorten your eating window to at least 12 hours, that is good. Even better, shorten your eating window to 10 hours a day. And even better than that, optimally, shorten your eating window to eight hours a day. So I have found that so many people are so unbothered by this. Like so many women that I talk to are like, oh, that's fine. I don't even eat breakfast. I'm not even hungry for breakfast. I was already that way. You know, since the time that I was a teenager, I never really wanted to eat breakfast. Um, I would always just kind of wind up eating, just kind of having coffee in the morning and then eating lunch. So it was very natural for me. It didn't feel difficult to do. Um, You definitely don't want to make your body suffer. So I really don't like these like apps where you start the clock and then you're so freaking hungry, but you're like, I cannot eat until this app says that I can eat. Like, no, like, and again, it will be so much easier to practice intermittent fasting if you are eating low carb, um, or particularly if you are just eating for satiety, like eating high, um, protein will also really help. So if you're eating for satiety, then it's going to be a lot easier to practice intermittent fasting. Um, But even if you're not eating that way and you're just, you know, counting calories or what have you, um, shortening your eating window can really help. And I've seen a lot of people who were not eating low carb or really even being intentional at all about what they ate during their eating window, but they still lost weight and found a lot of health benefits just from practicing just intermittent fasting. Another word on intermittent fasting is that it doesn't only count when you're, you know, the ending your final meal and then starting your morning meal, like, or then the meal when you break your fast the next day. You can practice intermittent fasting in between meals. And so think about the changes in our lifestyle since like the 1970s. That's when obesity really started to skyrocket is when we started introducing the low fat craze, demonizing fat, taking all the fat out of food, putting sugar into food. Everybody's eating processed foods, convenience foods. And also by the way, eating like every two to three hours, right? Because what's going to happen when you strip all the fat out of food? You're taking away long-term satiety, and so of course you're going to be hungrier. And so now people are snacking every two hours. And when you're eating, it raises your insulin. And so there's actually two different states. You have a fed state and a fasted state. And when you are in a fed state, your body cannot burn its own stored body fat for fuel because insulin is raised, and that's the fat storage hormone. So when insulin is raised, even from eating any food, even if you're eating keto but you're eating every two hours, still, you're going to have a really hard time burning your stored body fat because it's literally like a switch that is like, hey, I can either burn stored body fat right now or I can store body fat right now. And so for you to be able to go a longer period in between meals without eating, it takes about three hours after your last meal to dip into what's called a fasted state. And so if you can consume only two meals a day with having at least like a six-hour window in between there, which is actually really easy to do if you're eating 
um, high protein and, and high satiety foods. Um, that's gonna, that's gonna just help you so much. So even if you're not eating low carb, even if you're eating carbs at those meals and practicing the other principles of eating your food in the right order and, you know, doing your apple cider vinegar, but yeah, you're having a potato at the end of your meal or you're having a banana at the end of your meal or whatever it might be. Um, if you can only eat twice a day, man, that that's fantastic. Go for that. Okay. So the last little bit that I want to share with you guys is essentially the idea of eating high protein. So the name of the game for weight loss is to feel satiated, satisfied, not hungry, right? And that way you won't be eating more food, consuming more calories, having an overabundance of energy and you know storing that as fat instead of actually burning your stored body fat. And so keto is one way to help with the high satiety because fat is very satiating, but also protein is the most satiating macronutrient. And so to eat high protein, even if you are eating carbs, is so much better than just not paying any attention to any macros whatsoever. So a lot of people do fantastic to count their protein grams and count calories. And you could totally find so much success with weight loss just by doing that. And so Basically, if you go back and listen to episodes 87 and 88, um, where I interview Crystal from at Crystal Loses on Instagram, and we're basically kind of going back and forth on the differences between keto versus Weight Watchers. And Weight Watchers is essentially just calorie counting, kind of the pros and cons of both. And so I think you actually can be really successful on Weight Watchers if you apply some of these principles that we've been talking about. Pairing pro- eating high protein while you're eating Weight Watchers is going to be so much more effective than just eating Weight Watchers and not paying attention to protein. That's why a lot of people are just so hungry all the time and then they blow it on their points and then they blow it completely because they think that they failed and you get into the all or nothing mentality, right? So eating high protein and counting calories can totally work. Um, another aspect is eating high protein. And if you don't want to count calories, Just focus on eating foods that are higher in protein. You don't have to count the actual grams, but just making sure that you're getting, you know, a good size, like at least the size of your palm at each meal worth of protein, like an animal protein, um, preferably, but plant protein can work as well. You're going to have to eat probably two palms full of plant protein because it's less easily absorbed by the body, but eating at least the size of your entire hand of a protein source at each meal. If you're like, I hate counting, just listen to this. At least the size of your entire hand of protein per meal. And then just focus on eating real food, like clean ingredients, food that grew from the earth, right? Um, If it comes out of a package and it has more than five ingredients listed on it, probably a food you don't wanna be eating, right? Because it's gonna be highly inflammatory and it's probably gonna spike your blood sugar and make you hungrier over time, right? So even if you just want to focus on eating high protein and real food, that's it. That's going to bless your body so much. That's the type of thing that I'm talking about with self-care. That is foods that is that are going to make your body feel good. Um, it's going to make your mind feel good, your mood feel good. It Protein is so essential to our moods. It affects all of our neurotransmitters, um, which are the happy chemicals <laughs> in our brains, right? And so if you want to learn more about this kind of an approach where it's just like, okay, I'm just going to focus on protein, essentially, um, Dr. Ted Naiman uh, wrote a book called The PE Diet. And the PE stands for protein to energy ratio. And so as long as 
about at least 30% of the calories that you're eating are coming from protein, you're going to find so much more satiety. And he focuses on satiety per calorie. So if you listen to episode 94 of this podcast called The Magic Formula for Weight Loss, what I learned from Dr. Ted Neiman really inspired that. And so again, that's a really great episode to follow up on as long also listening to episodes 87 and 88 about the Weight Watchers and, and basically how you can essentially follow a calorie counting diet and apply some of these principles. These things can totally work whether you find yourself in a state of ketosis or not, or whether you would look at that as following a keto diet, quote unquote, whatever that means to you or not. Okay. So I wanted to provide you with some of these resources to number one, give you some hope um, that there are still so many ways for you to succeed. If you've been feeling like a failure when it comes to keto, okay, like the whole point is not for you to align yourself with some external authority, such as saying, I'm following this quote unquote diet, right? I'm eating keto or I'm eating paleo or I'm eating vegan or I'm intermittent fasting or whatever it happens to be that you're trying to align yourself with some external authority to justify to yourself what you're doing and that it's worthwhile and it's going to work and, and you're going to succeed or to justify to other people what you're doing, right? Like, oh, I'm not crazy. This is a thing, right? Like, and it's a thing that's going to work. Like that you have to justify this to your partner or to your mom or to your sister who are concerned about you or whatever it is that you keep trying new things over and over again. You don't have to align yourself with any kind of external authority. You are the authority. You are the expert on your life. And so the whole goal is for you to feel self-trust. We want to feel more confident. Confidence means self-trust. And so you don't need to find the right diet. You need to create the right diet that's going to work for you. And if you're like, yes, that sounds great. How do I do that? (laughs) First of all, this is what I help people to do, right? Um, But go listen to episode 89 of this podcast. It's called How to Create Your Food Boundaries. And that's going to specifically walk you through step-by-step. I have this fun exercise of you actually making your own food dartboard so that you're aiming for um, the bullseye, obviously, like that's the optimal way that you want to be eating, but you still get points for landing in the other two concentric circles outside of the bullseye. Like you're still on the dartboard. You're still going to find success. Um beyond just such that narrow definition of like keto or bust, right? Or like whatever it is that you say, like, you know, this many calories or bust, right? Like whatever it happens for you. Um, so I want you to become the own expert on your life. Forget about the keto police, forget about whoever, and just give yourself permission to do what works for you. Give yourself permission to know through trial and error and through knowing your lifestyle and through knowing your values, and your family, and your body. These are the things that are gonna work for you. Your likes, your dislikes, your personality. These are all the things that I help my clients find self-awareness with because there's nothing wrong with you. You don't have to change anything about yourself. The only thing that's wrong is all of the stuff that you've learned (laughs) that didn't come naturally to you. All of the screwed up messages about you have to be in this size body to earn love or to get respect or whatever it is that you're looking for, safety, security, all of the basic human needs that we all want to have, right? That we all need to have and that we've gotten our priorities completely screwed up because of the conditioning that we've all been breathing in without our consent since the time that we were very young, right? And so that's the kind of work that I do with my clients is getting 
behind some of those mindset issues, right? And so today I've definitely covered so much physiological strategies that you can do to help you with your weight loss efforts. But the biggest mindset issue that I'm trying to get at in this podcast is to break out of the all or nothing mentality. You can find success without being perfect. That is a lie that you have to be perfect to see results. And in fact, as long as you believe that you have to be perfect to see results, you're never going to get the results that you want because man, imperfection is part of the journey, right? When you learn, you learn through trial and error. That's how we all learn through trial and error. When a kid is a baby, like you have to let them fall in order to learn to walk. You can't just rescue them every time. Or one of my clients, she gave, she's a nanny and she gave me such a great illustration of potty training. Man, oh man, the accidents are part of the journey. If you protect a kid from having those PP accidents, especially in the beginning, they're never going to learn how to actually hold it in, right? And to find, to find success. So all of these, all of these things are part of the journey. Thank you so much for listening today. I know it's been a longer episode, but I hope that you have found something that you can take with you or that you can share with somebody that you love. I'll be back with you guys again next week for another fantastic episode. If you are interested in working together one-on-one, I would love to chat with you sometime this week or next week, really, really soon, get you on the calendar for a free curiosity call. So just reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn. I am at The Keto Fit. My website is theketofit.com and you can put in a request for a free curiosity call there. I would love to get to know you better. And also remember, I have a mindset class this month on uh, overcoming self-sabotage, rewiring the beliefs that are holding you back. That's available through the end of this month at bit.ly slash self-care keto class for just $22. And yeah, I think that's all I have for you guys. So thank you again so much. Have an amazing week.